0: Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, I'm Harmony, and you're listening to the Finding Harmony podcast. You know when you find yourself in a conversation with someone, and you're just blown away by how many connections you have with the person, and you feel like you've known them forever, you've been friends forever, and there's just a depth and even some profound emotional connections and and thoughts and feelings and insights that come up from your conversation or your relationship with this person. Well, today's guest, Casey Palmer, has this effect for us. He's someone who was an acquaintance to both myself and to Russell, and I had briefly uh, met him online many, many moons ago, back to the early 2000s, on something called the Easy Board, which was an online yoga forum community where people would discuss different aspects of the Ashtanga Yoga practice, philosophy, uh, share ideas and tips about traveling, all kinds of things. It was a discussion board long before Facebook and Instagram I guess you would call it sort of the grassroots online Ashtanga yoga community, back when Ashtanga yoga wasn't so popular and there wasn't very many people practicing it. Um, but Casey was very active on this easy board and he also started a yoga school about 20 years ago, which is a huge feat and continues to uh, hold the space and keep the doors open and teach the students who come or perhaps connect with them uh, is a better way to put it because Casey is quite anti-authoritarian in his approach. He has a very unique understanding of the student-teacher relationship and how to approach the practice in a way that creates an environment that's safe, and uh, serves a greater community rather than a hierarchical kind of student-teacher interaction or relationship. So you, I'm sure, are going to absolutely love this conversation today as much as Russell and I enjoyed having it. And so without delay, I will let you uh, listen now. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I'm here with Russell Kay.
1: You know, this is one of those amazing kind of um, podcasts for me or, or, or introductions for me where you know that you know a guy, like Casey <laughs> Palmers, who who we have on today, and maybe we brushed elbows and we share so much in common because we do a Shtanga yoga and we've been doing it 30-odd years or 25 years. And yet, never really met. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm really delighted to try and get to know you today.
2: Oh well, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. And you know, I spent the last few weeks kind of perusing all of the um, really qualified people that you've had on your podcast. I'm impressed with its production value, but also it's a, a histiography, maybe of what's <laughs> yeah. happened here with Ashtanga Yoga um, for the last. Well, you said 25 years and then yeah. what it means to include that into it's really, you know, multi-generational experience. And I, knowing how we all got here, I think is a really great thing to add and offer. So and people's perspective. So thank you for including me.
0: Well, thank you. I'm mm-hmm. so glad that you're listening. And and it's I mean, you have kind of a unique perspective, too. I We met in 2004 in Mysore. Um, with some mutual friends of ours, mm-hmm. Courtney and Shannon. Shannon, yeah.
2: Shanon. Oh, Shanon. I thought of, I remembered this, Siobhan. Yeah, we Well, everybody to... called him. Uh, I think he was, yeah. the, the Australians gave him, a, they called him Sharon, I think. but Sharon, like, right. <laughs> which was or a compliment.
1: Shanon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Shannon and Courtney were my first roommates <laughs> on my first trip in 2003. Right. And I guess they were your students. And they came there directly yeah. from you.
2: I would like to just, you know, clarify the word student sometimes, you know, because we were all just in a really big cohort with each other back then. And I haven't really, when I turned 52 last week and sometimes I meet a, I meet a, (laughs) thank you. Yeah. It's a, it was an honor, (laughs) but I, most of me feels pretty good, but, um, I really admired the cohort of people that have gone along this process in the last 25 years. And just to connect with you guys now, um, Cause it's a journey and it's a very personal journey. And, um, the, all of our friends are still out there. Most of them are having that journey still, you know, and I really <laughs> yeah. got, I was really lucky to come up in a time where the, the empowerment of the teachers was there in order to like inspire the other people. And then a lot of us wanted to do that too. So, um, uh, and it was this introduction into a world of choice, that people were making about their lives. It was just very different um, from everyone else. And of course it was going to end up being a small community. And one of the things I found with families is is that if you really do the work, you end up all coming around full circle with each other and having more of an experience later. So there is the middle part of the journey that I think's key for all of us just to find out who you are. And I don't think that that takes, I don't think that happens immediately obviously um, because we're actually kind of shown to try to become something else in the beginning. And yeah. that was, I have a, some things to say about that sometimes, you know, um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love, I love that you relate the ashtanga, uh, you know, journey that we're on to a family as well. And that, um, you know, even though some people we know really well, some people we, you know, are like kind of those third cousins that yeah. like live over there on the West coast or the East coast. And we're in Australia. I, I actually have cousins that live in Australia. Yeah,
3: right.
0: <laughs> yeah. That you don't see very often, but, um, but that if, you know, there's sort of something that's binding us and keeping us together and tying us together and that, that despite differences in the middle of the relationship or despite, you know, maybe disagreements or falling outs or, you know, all the ups and downs that go along with the relationship that, that if you stick together long enough, you tend to come back around full circle to being unified again.
2: Yeah. A lot of comparing of notes, I think is an important thing to do at a certain point where, you know, like if you look at a just like a Kumba melee or something, you know, like, which not to relate us to t- totally to that, but like, what happens if you go spend a bunch of time in isolation with the same information? And when you come <laughs> yeah. out, you know, like I know where everybody is in the morning, you know, and I, <laughs> you know, I'm on the Pacific coast I live on the West coast. And so I have a, there's a West coast sort of sunrise. I know we're all on that trip. I've been following it for, you know, I've been in the space, um, just nineteen years which is cr- completely wild because um, that put me in a place to like just meet a lot of people and so I kind of you know and then I never thought I'd travel so much in my life and yoga really brought me into going places I never would have gone and have opportunities to, that I turned down that I didn't go you know like I'm lucky right, right now you guys might know Dylan Bernstein oh yeah yeah, yeah. he's visiting Portland right now and I just I'm like oh right like we have been friends for like a long time and he always has rolled through here and we got to know each other or just automatically, you know and everybody knows him knows what he's like and and uh, he,
1: was he um do I if I have the right Dylan that he's Prem student and he was in Hong Kong
2: he was in Hong Kong he this was in Dylan. Taipei and Hong Kong and
0: Taipei in Hong Kong yeah. Yeah. Dylan was and yeah. so that's
1: not the Dylan that lives in Mysore permanently. No. Different Dylan, Not right? Different Dylan. Yeah, I know Dylan. Dylan rolled into San Francisco one day and and mm-hmm. worked with me, and he was just like he was just a fantastic, yeah, fantastic practitioner.
2: Yeah. yeah. So having those relationships because people either were here, you know, the, like I went, I could go back to the cohort part, just about like well, one thing to remember is that like I was a lot of people that I was in a cohort with in like the early two thousands, they were all. 10 years or more younger than me. So you know, they're all in their 40s, you know. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean,
1: uh, yeah. Shanon and I were the same age. Yeah. Um, maybe mm-hmm. he was even, yeah, maybe he was even a little bit younger. And, and, uh, so I assumed that you were his teacher, you know, when hearing about you. Well, just the I, same, you know, same group of people I'll go doing it to together in a group.
2: Yeah. You're talking about Shannon. Yeah, yeah. Courtney. Well, Courtney, yeah. like, is, um, you know everyone has a real deep gift to pursue this, so I never wanted that relationship with people, and I didn't want to be I was more like I felt like my validity in the beginning came from just like my tenacity around keeping the room open and keeping <laughs> people a lot of work, yeah, clean and open and then kind of being dedicated enough to show up in the morning and do it with people and then catch the outliers who would only do it at night and catch the outliers who would come on a saturday and Mm -hmm. also in that process i met a real aggregate of personality types a certain percentage of them are super interested in daily practice mysore going to mysore and so i i really held a firm like connection with that because i never wanted to send anybody out of here that didn't feel like they could keep up in mysore if you know what i mean like you wouldn't want to go there and find out that you hadn't really learned how to do it. It'd <laughs> yeah. be a bummer for, I wouldn't want to find out that later. So <laughs> I made sure that everybody knew exactly what they were supposed to do. And then at the same time, never said, Hey, you should do this, or you should do that. Right. So the, and that was also part of me kind of fudging that part that has been a big issue in Ashtanga yoga, which is the authorization certification that sort of thing. And like, what do you do with that? And how I didn't end up doing that. Yeah. And that was, that's been an important part to me um, that I have a, kind of a narrative around the whole time. And some of it was purely circumstantial. Like I just couldn't go back that much because of what was going on in my life here and whether I could hold the studio here in Portland like that for Portland's like a beautiful yoga market if you will but when you look up yoga in portland there's over 300 listings yeah you know yeah and so that might be true everywhere so to cultivate a space that will interest you know the small percentage of people that want to do mysore style uh, and yeah. ashtanga yeah so yeah. that was it was a labor of uh, you know I still have I've got a, there's a lot into it and I got a lot out of it um but I you know, I'm still not finished you know Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: can i can I ask is there a mm-hmm.
2: conscious decision on your part
1: to undermine uh, structures of authority uh in a room because i'm i'm getting the I'm getting the feeling that you're you still sort of feel like a guy that's just opening the room up and letting people know like this is what happens in this kind of room mm-hmm. I'm just the guy telling you what that is what those mm-hmm. what those structures are and so, less so coming at it from uh you're here because of me and I'm going to, and I'm going to teach you.
2: Right. That second part, I feel that that's part of the dedication of it where I like don't want people to come and have the, have like a nothing thing. Like they should get something out of it. And mm-hmm. so I feel really committed to, you know, like I've worked out a few different parts of the practice. Like I got involved with the philosophy. I, I, bread a ton. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know how to like quantify that consumption of material, you know? <laughs> and so I don't expect other people to do that. But I also, also realized from the practice that if people didn't spend a really significant of time with, light, with the most simple details, which I consider their yoga sutra, mm-hmm. if, they, if they spend enough time with it, it will become clear that it's really about karma and mutation over time. And being safe and comfortable in that rather than being at odds with it being defined by it so we focused a lot on the sutras i think i have done a sutra thing every week for 15 years you know i started in 2005 so maybe it's 16 but and then very seriously after um well seriously is dedicated to it uh so to go back to your original question i I've witnessed the part where there would be someone offering a lot of information about yoga sutra yeah, mm-hmm. and nobody getting it.
1: Right. And the,
2: and so, um, and then being like, okay, well I sat with that person who knows a lot about it. So therefore I'm, I have that thing.
1: But yeah. then what was
2: that thing? So um, I said, well, what if we just sat with it all the time, allowed ourselves to be right and, and wrong, talk about it openly, uh, get the opportunity to kind of understand the logic of it, start practicing little pieces of it in our lives and coming back. And that's turned into probably like the most popular circle that's happening here. And people don't want to throw themselves against a wall very hard for the rest of their lives to see if that works it out. And there's a way to, <laughs> I'm not talking about anybody we know. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, that it's a thing.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, from your answer, I'm getting that idea that it's, it's, um, it's a intuitive but sincere interest in undermining authority, and I would still like people offering, to have their own authority yeah, yeah, you're promoting that.
2: Well there's a second part to that is that if people have that, and this comes directly out of my experience in Mysore from early on, what uh was that when the time came to inquire about the greater points of yoga, I didn't have any resources with which to ask that question from. So I was really relegated to like, just like what was going on in my practice, but my practice was like rough. There was no <laughs> questions, you know, it was like, I don't know, and I have to keep doing it. And so when I came back in 2004, I had tried to remedy that by spending, I was there in 99 in Lakshmi Purim, which I feel real grateful about that because I got to see the end of an age. It was Uh, like a family uh, at its culmination on a certain level before it became a a heritage thing that uh, the rest uh, that people were inheriting from that prior age. Lakshmi Purim uh, and Gokulam aren't the same. uh, And your impact, uh, the impact on the tourist yogi uh, person uh, isn't the same either because the pathways were set. I mean, I stayed at the Kaveri Lodge for six weeks
1: yeah. And, you know, like a lot of people
2: yeah. did. And then I walked close to the shala and like got used to the food and, you know, mm-hmm. all those things and like saw the, what what the routine was. Mm-hmm. And also I, what I, I was, I really have to just say, I was so influenced by the, that, those aunts and uncle types, I guess is the best way to put it. Cause I yeah. was 30 when I went to Mysore and um uh like, they, were, they revered Patabi Joys, and they revered the system, and there was an energy around it. And you could literally hear the room outside the room in the morning because there would be 12 people really churning. And then I would take, and this is when you sat on the stairs and waited to go in, and I got there at the right time, that I got to be like third or fourth in the second group. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I just read every day. So I read that that year. I read twenty five books in three months, waiting on the stairs because the line kept getting longer. I was (laughs) was in a pretty good position, but like
0: yeah, (laughs) there was also nothing else to do in India at that time except. Yeah. chat with people and read
2: yeah because there was no internet, internet there's yeah. no
0: tv there's yeah. no you could play cards you can play cards sure yeah.
2: well it, it was yeah. telling what was going on in mysore there was an internet and we could check email and i had a pen pal basically of what it was then but he had been to mysore and he was giving me advice from the yeah. states you know, and and and, <laughs> you know in his comfort and everything and
0: meanwhile you're at the Kavery with the rats and yeah. the bed bugs and the
2: yeah, and wondering if I could if I can eat Indian food three meals a day for three months, right. you know, like people do yeah. it, and you know, what that effect that had on me, you know.
3: Yeah. But I got to
2: see the reverence that people had. Hmm. So mm-hmm. that was uh that was a big lesson. I have to you know, I was influenced by my first teacher was Vance Selliver. He's in Oakland. Oh, really? In, uh, uh, he's not in Oakland. He's in Berkeley. Yeah, yeah Berkeley. Uh, yeah. Good buddy of mine, Vance. Yeah. We've slept in the same bed many times. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he, you know, I met him on the street with a friend. I met, actually, I met Gillian on the street with a friend and they had a flyer. They're starting a studio and I'd been doing it with a really kind teacher for a few years. I think I- Gillian, his partner from Michigan. No, Gillian is, her name is Gillian Lerner, but she's not Gillian Lerner anymore. And she, they just had the, they had a coalition of people and you'd asked a question, oh, right. you know, right. about how, what the Portland yoga scene was like. And it, it kind of goes back to Clifford Sweet. Oh who yeah. was, And he had, I met him and got to spend time with him here in my space because he ended up rolling through again.
1: The
3: vid-
0: so just videographer. Up, the videographer,
1: the videographer, gu- the yeah, and, that- in a real seventies, uh, eighties, ashtanga yoga pioneer.
2: Yeah, it's why those third series and fourth series videos from mm-hmm. Chuck and Tim and all those folks. You know, he was oh. in that too. Yeah, that group. Yeah, yeah. And so he came here and found a way to get a group around him and did it. And then those folks were there. Was six, seven people. And they would do a pop-up class. I really just learned this the other day from one of them that I randomly ran into. Um, And they did a pop-up class at a yoga space is all it was called. And people could rent a space and teach whatever yoga they wanted out of it. Uh, And so they started doing that with a guy named Timo Jimenez, which some folks know, but he was not a Mysore character too much. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, he also had a big impact on the yoga scene in Portland. And I, then Vance and Gillian, and then, things just changed. They had a house and it sold and they had to leave that and everybody just shifted. And I was already kind of teaching people they didn't know for a year
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: uh, all of the people that were not doing it because they didn't, couldn't do it anymore, ended up kind of showing up at that spot. And I was like, I should open up into a bigger space. So <laughs> I found this place. It was just an art. It's, it's an artist studio. It was completely unfinished. It was just a box. And, Amazing. Yeah. And I had labored. And so one of the things that's been a thing in my practice all my life has been that I just worked, you know, like I like work
0: mm-hmm. and I like
2: to create, I like to hold the space. I like to do the cleaning and, you know, keeping that stuff going. So.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I, I, um, one of the reasons why I really want to dig in more into your, your childhood, especially in, in Alaska and mm-hmm. how you came to be in the first place to kind of proto-punk pioneer in Portland. That's four Ps, by the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Proto-punk
0: pioneer in Portland?
1: Yeah, that's what I said. I just made that up. I love it. So, um, a a dear friend, but I want to dig into that, but I just wanted to to ask first about, because you mentioned the Internet Cafe and it reminded me of a question that I had for you. Right. One of the reasons why we wanted to come to you and wanted to interview you is uh, that, A very dear friend of mine in the UK, Doug Tacobong, who refuses to be interviewed. Um, He suggested that you be an ideal person to speak to because you could help us fill in some of these gaps. But also because you were, in in his perspective, so influential on the easy board in 2000, in the 2000s, which most of the people that listen to the show don't even know what Mm -hmm. that
2: is. But mm-hmm. it was
1: incredibly impactful for us. And I wanted to know if you could, one. Both of you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it was necessary to use if you are going to go to India.
0: I was teeny yogini. I wasn't that active, though. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, can you first explain to our listeners what an easy board is? And then can you talk about what you did on it and yeah. what, you, what, you, would, what my, you would write about? It?
0: My friend Melody that just opened a studio, you might know her because she was really active on it. She opened up one of the first sort of dedicated ashtanga studios here in Calgary. She was Warrior Girl.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, you
0: know Warrior Girl. She mm-hmm. just opened a studio yeah. in Palm Desert.
2: Yeah. A new well, one. That's awesome. Well, there's um, <laughs> William. What is he's in he's in uh, he's out Palm Desert too. Um, yeah. So I got that's yeah right. I, that time in my life the internet was pretty new and before you know, we had video and as fast as all the speeds are now, it was, everything was a very slow thing. Like, so you could post quite quickly a bunch of text, but videos were impossible. And so it was an opportunity that somebody had had the foresight on Yahoo, which is where I first discovered the community right when it was ending in like 2000. And so um, I was just seeking resources and I used Google search engine and it brought up, You know, I knew there might be a thing and then it brought this easy board up. So I joined and then literally like I probably met 30 people. Now you guys, you know, like I feel really (laughs) honored actually to have met them all because when I got stationed in one place, just being in the studio, people would roll through Portland and come and say hi to me. And then like Doug and I didn't meet in person, although we had a very like great friendship with each other over the years. And you find out who on there isn't trying to fight you you know they just want to be right. informed and there was yeah. a coalition of like me and jason stein who ended up coming to portland lives mm-hmm. here now jason
1: boy Bonda boy jason stein <laughs>
2: yeah that was yeah that was uh used to be Bonda boys i think because it was us in 2005 <laughs> where he was, right. and when encinitas when tim's yes. studio was closing
3: yeah
2: and so uh and patabi joyce was there And we were all there for that. And there was just, we were kind of in the center of the room. And it was ridiculous, actually. I remember what I was thinking at the time. But um, now I'm hurt and old. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I I can still do that. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) Most of the, most everything I learned how to do physically and Ashtanga Yoga, I learned in the first five years and have just like maintained it. Like I never wanted, there was a lot of things I didn't want. But to go back to easy board it was an opportunity to um, write about my views on what I was discovering and trying to suss out information and understand, you know, what was being presented and people didn't, it was like debate. It was something that we don't actually do verbally. And that goes back to like our own individual level of research into what's debatable and who can, referee that and so this thing was a wild west like you had no idea if anybody was most people if you but you got a sense of who they were there was of course rosebud who i wonder who she was she said she knew me at one point yeah,
0: let's, let's see maybe we can get some people to write yeah, in if they yeah, know right easy in rosebud and, and
3: uh
2: who and else? The, the infamous senior pinche way i don't know if you remember oh, that yes. handle and they yes. were what they were the original like um trolls i believe is what we call it (laughs) and i think i hope they're happy about that
0: for that now
2: (laughs) i think the word flame war was the first time i ever heard it was in that situation so so to be very careful if you are outside of truth and i appreciated that and doug had the you know the insight to send me a link to something i had written and it was it was probably kind of shit but like it wasn't bad it was the spirit and the intention was there for sure so EasyBoard was a way to find out information about mysore buy stuff i think people had it was a way to circumvent also what was happening then was ashtanga.com and mm-hmm. the, that, the list and so yeah. if you wanted anyone to know that you existed um you could have that
0: the first mm-hmm. list, the list before yeah. the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you could also just like, you know, rent a, uh, get a room to rent in Kokolom or, or yes. you could find yes. a place. Mm, yeah. yeah, lots yeah. of people yeah. used it for that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a, it was community. It was a sangha yeah. and that dating was-
0: Facebook.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I would prefer to go back to the written- thing because the, you could come and check on it and see what it happens now inside the field of every comment that happens on Facebook. It's the exact same, you know, kind of programming, but it's like, it's so much more specific and individual now, but that organization, uh, and I was going to learn this. I don't know what anybody else thought about their process, but when I heard the word yoga, I was like, I kind of know what it means and I need to know exactly what it means. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and right. the second part took like still working on it, but uh,
0: <laughs> it's ever evolving. <laughs>
2: well, that's where the philosophy comes in because that allows a structure for certain types of yoga to show up that we might find ourselves and other types of yoga that we could only like conclude that it actually is a thing, you know, cause it's logically a thing. I don't know. Um, but if we don't look at it and that was what I think the early easy board stuff was about for me was getting to just get my mind turning around this really powerful and beautiful thing that I thought deserved all the words that go with it, you know, and
0: yeah. Interesting. But I got to know, I got to know what was your, what was your easy board handle?
2: I think it was just simple CPLMR. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Nothing fancy.
2: <laughs> no, it's I wasn't. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: I think have you, you've heard of uh, the platform Discord? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. So Discord is, is a platform that now almost every gaming's um, gaming system relies on, or every game relies on. Um, so like a massively multiplayer online role-playing game will rely on Discord to create this kind of very intense, interactive community around the game, which helps maintain interest in people to play it because once mm-hmm, you lose mm-hmm. a player base and the game dies. Right. So, the, so this is kind of what's happening in easy board is it, at that time, it's it's interesting, maintaining interesting correlation, enormous mm-hmm. interest in this niche. Um, well, niche game type of yoga niche that barely niche anyone knew about at the you time. Know, like, like Yes, We're all going to go to this thing and do this thing. And it was active, not virtual, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also in a weird way, um, yoga is very hologrammatic. So, yeah, it is that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, Maybe we should
0: start an Ashtanga Discord. Uh...
1: It would be easy enough to do. Do it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I think this, I think the podcast is like a very elevated form of what we were doing on Easyboard. Right. Um, and it's like getting people to write now is not so easy, even though they'll write their heart's content if it's their personal That's thing. Right. Yeah. So, but to, um, I think people need to like talk openly about it. And that's what I've been trying to do is give people a voice so that they can, one of the things about Easyboard that it allowed was you could express yourself like in a indefinite way and be wrong. And that would be okay if you're sussing out like kind of where right is yeah. and people mm-hmm. are there to check each other and kind of help move the energy into like a more clear place and that gets back to like that also happened between 99 and 2004 for me and when i went back to mysore in 2004 the literally the culture was completely different
1: mm.
2: how so Uh first there was there there had been um very few people there the first time i was there relatively mm. and the second time i went there was i think there was almost 160 people Mm -hmm. um they had built up enough you know and that was with um uh in the new shala and so their culture is devised by the culture you know so what was important when i got there in 99 was just a smaller group of people you know they were Mm -hmm. studying differently so that was where i kind of um when I went to Mysore that time when everyone would go to breakfast after practice, I would go do my pranayama practice and then I'd go find food and do my laundry. And I had a guitar and I played that a lot. But did, um, Do
1: I understand right? Did I hear this right? That you actually decided it was part of one of like your bucket lists of things to do that you wanted to busk in India.
2: It just ended up happening. Um, Cause I did the really, you know, sort of non thing about going to Mysore and not going to the, shala
0: practicing yeah
2: yeah my friend had a place there and she was like come stay with me my mom's going to come visit i knew her um as well from being here in portland and i was on my way to sri lanka to work at um ashtanga lanka which was in um south sri lanka and i was had created a yes and so to to busk at all is probably like fun but to just be at the Anoki Garden, or I don't know what it's called now, but maybe it's still the Anoki Garden, um, on the road above. It was like a hotel, like a bed and breakfast, that they would have outside yeah. food, um, sort of uh, south of the main shala, and yeah. maybe even on the same road. Um, and somebody had a guitar, and they were like, "Yeah, go ahead and play it." And so I just played and played and played for a couple hours, and it was really a sweet experience. And it was, it was kind of like just seeing. Because it, when I first went to Mysore, it was very easy to get like super hyper-directed on going there and going to the Shala and going into Patabi Joyce's upstairs office and, you know, shoving him a massive amount of rupees. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, on a certain level, it was also weird. And I was like, whoa, man, that's like a lot of money, even though it's, you know, not. and um,
0: <laughs> Even though it's rupees. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: still, you know, a big stack. And, uh, you know, people... um so, yeah, to go back and ha- then when I went back in 2004, it was a different experience. When I went back again in 2007 and eight, I went to Goa instead because uh, Mataji yeah. Joyce was sick. And yeah. then in 2013, I came back on my way to Sri Lanka. And as I watched, everything had just expanded into like just a completely different thing. And that fascinated me a lot. And so I really started like, using my yoga experience through Mysore and just through life of like understanding how everything mutates and it gets influenced. And, you know, Mysore has changed a great deal in the time that I was there. And I'm sure if you talk to the people who were first there, you know, um, they say the same thing. And, and so I got to have that experience and, you know, I don't know if it matters to anybody else, but it was fun.
1: Was your so I, I, I'm sorry if I, if I interrupted you when you were talking about the difference in, in what the community was like and what it changed. And it seemed like you were saying that the it was the population that changed the, the community and its needs. Um, and I was thinking about this earlier. I was going to ask you um, about Portland or Austin, Texas, uh, or Madison, these kind of really punk, interesting college towns that had been transformed simply because so many people wanted to go there to experience it, Mm -hmm. but going there changed it.
2: Oh yeah. The what's (laughs) happened everywhere. Yeah. Say that again. Even San
0: Francisco was like that.
1: (laughs) Oh, hundred
2: percent. One hundred percent transformed
1: by the, because people wanted to go there because it was cool. And so money was like, was chasing cool people and then chased the cool people out and so punk can't live in that kind of environment
2: (laughs) well no it's very um well there was just how would i like what was going on in portland was the uh, basically the results of a massive economic depression in the west in the in the you know the americas you know the north american place the 80s were rough in portland it had nothing had happened here for a while you know the industry had fallen out and logging industry was tanking and there was no base and tech hadn't come in and, or it was starting to come in. And then, so when I moved to Portland in 1990, there was a 30%, it was at, there was, it was 70% occupancy. Like there were 30% of the houses here were empty and in disarray. And now you can't, I mean, there's like 50 people want to buy a house here. So (laughs) the, I mean, we could, I mean, it's an interesting conversation because the ability to transfer information is so fast. And if you want to grow and be somebody, there is so much information out there to make that choice. It's almost, it's the opposite of what the ancients had to face, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of acceleration, like we've accelerated so much in Mm -hmm. 20 years compared to what, and it's, I think that's hard on the mind. I think it's why it's been really good to have a yoga practice because the location of spirit doesn't change you know just everything around it changes and it's Mm -hmm. to understand that as the one who inhabits that is a way to not is a way to become okay with all these changes like i don't know how to change things i do know what i would do to change things but i don't know how to actually cause that to happen for a lot of people so the internet is causing people to wake up and see these changes so Yes, Portland is nothing like it was, and people are coming here to act out their experience, and also just a, noticing that you know people who are twenty-five they were like me one time where they saw something that was really powerful, useful, and good, and they wanted to go to it.
3: Mm-hmm. And that was
2: what I saw in Ashtanga Yoga, and Portland was an accident for me on a certain level, although it was a perfect accident because. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I left Alaska in 90, and I was not really cut out to live in that environment. And I don't know what Anchorage sets on the latitude with you guys in Canada, but are you guys in Southern Canada?
1: We're in, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's fairly the same kind of um, uh, climate, except that we don't have any water.
2: Right. And you get mm-hmm. cold. Um, Yeah, (laughs) and hot
0: we get cold and hot yeah yeah Yeah,
2: exactly and so what portland had going for it was that there was always a community of and it still is true the the sort of base community here is really like an old provincial like um you know logging industry fishing shipping uh military industrial complex was huge here so it's a it's a very conservative place on a certain level and you see that but on the other hand the people who are here are really open to being entertained and like they like nice restaurants and cool art and they're sophisticated and they're conservative enough to be in their in their conservatism to be liberal about who people are which is a really great combo because if you are dedicated and you try to do a thing here, you'll always meet somebody who's interested and wants to support it. And I'm pretty sure that's probably true in a lot of the little, you know, sort of similar sized cities around, um, you know, the North America, including Canada, where people could take that, the old ethics of the architecture and what was laid down in a prior generation and rebuild it into something that's useful for, for now. And Portland has definitely had that happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And now it's, it's a little over the top
1: sometimes, but. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that there was some parallels for sure. Like this, you know, keep Portland weird or keep Austin weird. There's some parallels in Austin for that, given that it's, you know, it's, it's Texas. So it's it, like Calgary it's oil, and it's cattle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you've got a university and mm-hmm. a capital of Texas. So that's bringing in a different kind of group, mm-hmm. but also, like you said, an enormous, um, uh, what do you say, 30% capacity? Is that what you said, it was, 70% it was, capacity? It was
2: vacancy, vacant at 30% in 90, right. you know, and after so that's a, a long depression.
1: That's what was happening in Austin as mm-hmm. well. Is that uh, a lot of theater guys and, of course, music guys realized that it was a Wild West in Austin, and yeah. and tens and <laughs> tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of artists could flock there because mm-hmm. there's an open space to do, you know, Bertolt Brecht theater, Right. you know, or uh, whatever kind of uh, of music you want to play, you can play it because you know there's. You can pay the rent and so that was happening in austin until you know it it, be, it became saturated and then uh you you get this um uh what is that word when you have to move people out because it's so expensive Gentrific- gentrification becomes, gentrified.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it becomes completely gentrified and i just think it's 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 incredibly interesting that from our perspective when we when we got to Ashtanga Yoga, it was a it was a punk, do it yourself, um, counterculture activity that in the that we went to go do, and we 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 would go to Mysore from our punk counterculture cities, uh-huh. and in, and then th- that place transformed because of our interest in it, uh-huh. and became a place that was really a vacation home for the wealthy.
2: You and I are in agreement on some things for sure. I get it. You know, it's a very bougie vacation. It's a to go to for three months and have the money to do it and be able to have something to come back to. It's very self-selective.
3: Yeah. You know, like, yeah.
2: I am grateful that I don't. I think it's it's maybe not mentally available to everyone because it's not their thing. So I wouldn't apply it to anybody. But some people, if you're mentally available for it, you can go there and do that. Like it's still a possibility. Not everyone in the world. So whether yes, I I I see the explosion that you're talking about, which happens when you have all of us young people grow up into adults and have kids. You guys have kids kids, one you know, so they have to go somewhere. This is prosperity. This is what everybody wanted. in after the war, you know, and they didn't realize, you know, what kind of intricacies would be built into that. And that's where the yoga becomes very powerful because if, if you had somebody just, you know, sitting in a room, like really meditating on the world condition and how to work with it, which I believe there are people that do that. And we, that's why we see good things happen. Um, so that we we do have a chance you know to understand how we exploded so much and why we don't know what to do with it you know there's a loss in all of that right i mean that's a it's that's entropy and you know when i was a little kid in alaska my father was a bush pilot and a hunting guide and an outfitter so it's a little bit different than hiking (laughs) it was like we did we carried rifles and you know and they call it harvesting game from a very wild, natural place. And he was really into it. I wasn't, I didn't have the trigger finger for it. I couldn't kill things. So yeah. I was they were like, what are we going to do with you? Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I just read, I read, I read all the books that, the, that came out there. And so, but when we would fly out, we would have to fly through the Alaska range, which is a big mountain range. and uh, I remember being five, which was in 74. I remember seeing it and just being kind of amazed. And then because it's the exact same trip, um, on the way back out the next year in 75, I noticed that the the glacier had receded. And these were glaciers that used to like spill all the way out down to like a thousand foot above sea level and into the ocean. You know, know, they were just like the last remnants of, and I remember feeling a sunken feeling about it.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Always stuck with me, and I've watched the progression of things ever since. And that's the entropy, uh, where things just fall where they fall. You know, like yeah, it's weird that Krishnamacharya, then via Patabi Joyce and a few in the you know the counterculture of the '60s, would completely alter western consciousness by adding a huge dose of yoga into all of our environment like i really credit most of it in the last 20 years you know because it all kinds of rides on the vinyasa method and and to see that explosion is like what a crazy wild experience to be a part of and you know to be alive now so i i definitely grieve the loss you know of places the way they were when we first encountered them but also People need to have a chance to just take things in the way that they are, because that's how we're going to, you know, maybe solve some of the issues. Mm-hmm. That's
1: a fantastic way of thinking about it. Like, not only do you keep Portland weird, you keep the East Village weird, you keep the glaciers weird, but then you can't really keep anything. No. You can't keep anything the way things you want, the way you want them to be. Mm-hmm. They're gonna change.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they're all on their own track, and they're the and the deeper emotion, you know, is what we're working with with yoga, which is you know what I found with following the moon days and understanding my astrology a little bit and looking at like certain qualities of like what my character might be like because I might be trying to expect myself to be something different than my body is doing, you know, and have that be able to be more honest. I think that's the you know, the, the truth-telling part of, of the Niyama or Yama, you know, Satya just being very honest with myself about who I am now. And, you know, like even getting gearing up to do a podcast, like I only talk to people in my space about this and speaking to people in the community, the greater community, like I have to say that, like, I'm really grateful because it was it's a lonely occupation being a, you know, a, super independent yoga teacher you know and the community part of it so i think people want yoga still i don't know why in the 90s and the and the 2000s it was so much of a like it just hadn't been known i think now it's so saturated that people kind of assume it is what they've seen about it and where i've tried to work with that is say like well here's all this other part because I want to know about it, I want to talk about it. I don't understand it. I was lucky; I had a mentor for ten years. Um, that uh, his name is Dennis Skipper. He lives here in Portland, and he um, had a. And I, I said, I do this now all the time. But I set out into space, like send me somebody that I can work with who can work with me is what I really meant (laughs) that isn't surrounded already by um, people. And the reason of that was that because when I had been in Mysore, I felt like this real desire to connect with Patabi Joyce, but then also felt like I didn't know enough to have even a conversation with him. And I had to do that. So I found somebody in my world that would talk to me about it and never got tired of it. We never got tired of talking about it and uh this person had dennis he had like a photographic memory for what he had ever seen so if you heard him tell a teaching that he got from a lama or prabhupad he had been a student of prabhupad's the ishkan um, guru like you were hearing exactly what the person said because he was able to remember things so well that was a really powerful experience for me and i'm really grateful for him because he also introduced me into other, uh, things to work with. So I looked into, um, I spent that whole time and after working with Vajrayana, um, which is, a found a, another very accessible teacher, um, and mentor named Keith Dowman. And he's a, writes uh, you can look up net and that's where you'll find his books he's a tibetan translator translated for many years so this to go back to patapi Joyce associating in that realm like kind of opened me up to being okay with connecting with teachers but also i didn't want to connect with them if i didn't have if i was just asking them for something i felt like i had to do my homework so i put in a lot of effort to get able to have a ask a salient question because I had one, not because I didn't have one and wanted to talk or something, you know, um, cause had seen, you didn't, this with-
0: just want, you didn't just want to ask like, like, should I eat eggs?
2: Exactly. <laughs> the answer to that is no. But, um, <laughs> and I had to learn that from trying for a long time. Then one day I was like, no, but, um, <laughs> so but after india like like i can get down with some omelet and fries i mean like because that was not indian food you know so i love indian food and i'm so grateful for so then this this relationship led me to feel comfortable being like new to just about any dharma experience that i ran into so when and Finstead grateful to her lived in Portland, lived in hood river for a while. And mm-hmm. if you guys right. know, Anne. yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. And she. So, we worked together for, um, a good bit at Stanford. Oh, good yeah, good, right on. good buddies.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she really did me the biggest favor ever, which was, um, having a family because right when it was about time to have one, she was going to host Jayashree and Nara right. Simhan, And that's I had right. never heard of them. And I had been doing, I'd been teaching myself yoga sutra with an audio of, um, Kashtub Desikachar.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: yoga yoga Chitavritti that one. It's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, and then, mm-hmm. like, their materials were really important to me. And then, she knew that I was interested and did. And then, another great friend of mine, Karen Verlakis, who nobody, she's just someone a lot of folks will know, but she didn't teach, but she could host them and they loved her. And they were so comfortable here and I, So I looked her up, I was like, Who's this lady? And I had a I showed a video of this of her like with her little shruti box on the floor in somebody's place, like chanting, you know, in her way. And I was like and I was like, Oh wow, it's like Saraswati herself wants to come here. So I said (laughs) yes. that little
1: shruti box that you could plug in and uh-huh. it would make that harmonium sound. It's You're insane. looking around like you have I one. I have one. Oh yeah, I got yeah, one. Right? <laughs>
2: it's too far. I'm not going to grab it. But... <laughs> the vena sound. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. sound.
2: Yeah, the vena <laughs> sound.
1: Yeah, the vena sound.
2: So that ended up being um, uh, a long relationship that I got to have with her um, until Vina. her health um, precluded her from coming all the way here. I don't know if she's able to make it to visit her family in Atlanta or Houston where she goes, but...
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What a dear and open you're Jayashree. Jayashree. You're talking
1: about yeah. Jayashree, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, mm-hmm. from you know, when, when I got in, when, when Jayashree came here and she was so simple with us and so respectful of yeah. what we were trying to do. And I felt I've been really grateful to um, the community of people who validated me over the years um, and said, yeah, okay, you're doing it okay. Um, I really appreciated her. She gave me a lot of encouragement around my enthusiasm to just stick with it. And Mm -hmm. um, so that led to her coming four times. And a lot of us got to have a relationship with her here. And then I ended up getting to see her in Mysore in 2013, which was really sweet. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that she's still teaching people.
3: Can, yeah. can
1: I add to that, if I can piggyback? I remember because I helped Anne host Jayashree um, in, at Stanford and in, in San Francisco a couple of times. Of course, Harmony and I met in her room. and cool. We became friends in Jayashree's room. Um, I remember the first day that um, I had to go and sell the Stanford Recreation Department on the idea of a Mysore room. Oh, that's and cool and i had one explain to them what mysore was explain to them what yoga was
3: mm-hmm.
1: tell them why mysore was the best way that they could do that and then tell and then ask them to hire me to do it <laughs> And I was wearing a fucking suit the entire time. I, had, I even picked out like a red cardinal tie and the whole thing. <laughs> I'm sitting with a couple of like gym coaches in track suits because I didn't right. know what I was walking into. Right. I was totally misread. Right. But I was like, it was so excited, so yeah, enthusiastic right. about it. And they had, you know, they had had a grant, you know, for the yoga. They didn't have to teach at Mysore. Mm-hmm. All they had to do was some, you know, yoga class. They were right. told, been given a grant. Do a yoga class. This guy is going to meet with you from the the, and he knows the woman that gave us the grant. So listen to him, see what you think. And it was such a disaster, you know that this we <laughs> were in this situation. But it's like okay, so I go in and I and I do my whole spiel, and I pull out like a couple of books by Guruji and like uh, the, the Yoga yeah. Sutra things. Like mm-hmm. this is this is really good, and it's like okay. And I, and I drive back to where Jayashree and Narasimham were, and I pick them up, I think from like a Whole Foods or something. <laughs> and we're in the car with Anne, and everyone asks me, well, well how did it go? And, and Jayashree says, obviously, it went fine. He is euphoric. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're like now oh, oh, i'm terrified <laughs> almost the know, same now, thing well i was terrified
1: but now i'm euphoric everything's cool he said yes just, yeah he said yeah, okay, yes right, okay. right then everything was cool she could tell that it would that she could tell just by my body that right. everything it's nice good.
2: when you show up with your own money yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you show up totally. for if you show up to teach for free like you're gonna you know people you know, we'll, you know, they'll love that.
1: Um, yeah, exactly.
2: And that's amazing. I mean, I get it. You and I have something in common where like, I don't mind taking this anywhere it will fit, but I've also tried to learn to tool it to where it fits. And so like in, in you know, going to Stanford, you figure they're smart because it's Stanford, you know, I mean, in the gym department, they probably think a bit too, but do they see it as a, f- it's you know that's an interesting thing to talk about with ashtanga yoga in general i always bring this up to people is that primarily as a movement style it's just a ayurvedic healing modality really at its core and it yeah. carries so much on its back because of that and then but then all that's awesome and that's why we're doing it but then you can't bring that anywhere necessarily until people learn the physical part, because it's the main way for people to connect with it. So I taught in a gym for seven years, which was very good because they, the people were super dedicated. Like we did I did Mysore style in a gym in Portland called Maverick sports. And it wow. was a, they had a boxing theater, a spinning theater and a hot yoga room. And my job was to have the morning class and then crank the heat and leave. And then the next <laughs> yeah. class would come in and do uh, hot yoga in there. And nice. So, this, uh, the folks who were there were just so dedicated and regular and kind of open to whatever I wanted to try. I've been really, that's a Portland thing. People were really open to me. They were really, I was like, I want to chant, you know, in the gym. Is that okay with people? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Everybody, everybody did. And they were like, okay with it because that has to kind of like, really included in this vehicle of like being a yoga teacher all these years was that like i wanted to learn it and so people were willing to let me work it out with them over the years any way that i needed to within the right boundaries you know like it's still asanas and stuff and and it's the philosophy and i've always just really tried to stay to those center themes but you never know who's going to be dedicated and really get something out of it you know it's so I try to keep it available and meet people really where they are with it anymore because, you know, just to go back to what attracted everybody in the late 90s or even early 90s was, you know, this, I think you called it the, the courageous heart style, you know, where you're really just ready to dive in. And I was that, but then I also saw that becoming kind of like this delineator where you'd have people that were like that who were going to go there. And then you had people that would never go there or couldn't, and I was like, "Well, what is yoga really like if it isn't for them and for anybody who's uh, focused on anything at all? You know, are they doing yoga? You know, are they understand how they change? Does it have to be all riding on this Ayurvedic healing modality? You know, what's more? You know,
0: yeah, those are interesting questions. You know, if you're just doing, say, the asana without the really like understanding or even having any desire to know about say yamas and niyamas or like to do meditation or any Mm -hmm. kind of other practice. You're just Mm -hmm. like strictly like I'm coming in, I'm doing this asana. I like it. I'm feeling good. That's it.
2: Yes. Well, you
0: know, is that, is that still the Ashtanga yoga practice? Is that still yoga?
2: Yeah. And well, what I've learned is, is like the, I think it's the opening of the fourth chapter where he says that you can acquire the state through, you know, birth. I'll just stop there.
0: <laughs> medicinal plants?
2: Well, no, 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 though, I could get into that too. I would, and, I'm, and, you know, I don't, I, I approve of them. I think lives. that they're good, but it's, that's the, th- even medicinal plants, even mantras, even, mm. even the mantras, those three. Like they're really powerful, but then they can oftentimes just encase us in something that we won't right. be able to see past. So with the birth part, some I've learned that like some people have to learn right now how to understand with current, how to understand how to deal with f- current and future empowerment in their life because they're just, maybe they're fine. Maybe they're just well-adjusted individuals who don't have a, now the other side of it is being able to kind of dissolve a limiting but powerful internal sense that's almost like a like one has to look really deeply at itself and like navigate a lot of like you know fractured nervous system or a traumatic childhood experience that like never went away or like even an adult traumatic experience that is hard to undo those are going to come up for a lot of people but some people are not don't come to this with a lot of hang-ups at all they're really well adjusted and they see ashtanga yoga and i'm like you just need to keep doing what you're doing and you might want to be stronger and you might want the ayurvedic healing part so it's i think a lot of us i don't know i can't say this i think for myself i came into yoga because i so deeply needed to do something with all my energy and then what was my information was not so good you know, and I knew early on that I was like the best thing I can do for myself is to try and get right with myself mm-hmm. and that was go ahead
1: can you can you give us a a, a little bit more more detail i mean I, I imagine that you you described growing up in Alaska being a little bit out of sorts mm-hmm. with a, you know a, a bush harvesting um, community <laughs> a relationship to your father that maybe um, you disagreed on the point of emphasis being, you know, being the, the gun. Mm. <laughs> and then you you make a move to Portland to explore something different. Can you talk about, like, what is it really that you said, I have to get out of Alaska I ha- and oh, Portland is the place for me? And why was that?
2: Uh, Portland, I followed a, a significant other down here. As a lot of times we do. And Alaska at the time was, well, Alaska has this sort of bipolar weather, you know, where it's like you're either, I don't know if you guys get long nights there, but like, and you get like, you know, 19 and a half hour days in the summer. And then, you know, and the winters were five and a half hours of light. And so that kind of impacted my psychology a bit. The isolation as a child, which we don't have time to really go into that, really impacted me and I wasn't like I wasn't like super functional when I got into the real world. You know? Mm. I was um mm-hmm. Okay. I wasn't raised by wolves. They just they weren't <laughs> wolves. You know, oh. it was like I was just out in the middle of nowhere a lot with sustenance, but not with a lot of guidance, you know.
1: Are you sure you weren't raised
2: <laughs> I had like, we had like a couple of different lifestyles. I was living in town, which was Palmer, which is strange. It's my last name. Um,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. And my father was running a business that was, that operated 150 miles away. So that's where the airplane part comes in. And then it was a tourism business. So every year we'd have a lot of tourists come the um, the at the, in the fall, which is usually when that happens. And that gave me a lot of insight on like how to host people. So I'm really lucky about that part. And being an outfitter, he provided everything. So I kind of could imitate him almost. And I did, you know, from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now, they didn't want to know anything about yoga because it seemed in conflict with their religion. I listened to a couple of the podcasts. It seems like that's come up a couple of times for people. But Mm -hmm. yeah just to say if my parents asked me about asked, if you were asked my parents about yoga and me now they would be like uh that was the best thing you ever did <laughs> so you know they're they don't know a lot about it but they understand that it had a huge impact on me this is like such a deep talk topic just family of origin and why people pick up on yoga and um for me anyway uh i think Uh, So the Alaska thing, I just, I couldn't stay there. Like it was not enough economy for me. I needed to be, one of the things I noticed, uh, one of the things I didn't give myself that much credit for back in the day was that I would notice things. And so one of the things that I noticed was that there was no one in Alaska between the ages of 18 and 21 um, that had a good reason to get out. They all went to college and so i was there for two or three years where i was just literally like the only person my age yeah i mean and if i wasn't i was like in the cohort that's left pardon me for continuing to use that word so much but that was what was going on you know and all we were doing was like working jobs and partying and right. i was i thought if i don't get out of here and i watched a couple of my friends go down really hard from that i lost I I don't know if I lost a friend to drugs. I just never heard from them again. That was a long time ago, 30 some years ago. And I knew what they were doing at the time and where they may have ended up. They could have gotten all kinds of outcomes, but they're not available, which is weird in the time of Facebook and the internet. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I saw that and then I wanted to come to Portland and just kind of start over. And I came down here and it was... One of the things that I didn't realize about myself at the time and is just how much of a capacity many of us have to receive information, process it, and grow,
3: mm. you know? Mm-hmm.
2: And because yeah. we're taught in school, you know, that we're oftentimes not up to par or there's so much to do to be valid. And so this – I came down here just like so open. I was raw from years in the wild and growing up cold. And, um, mm.
1: uh, hmm. that sounds like, hard, <laughs> right? you know,
2: and mm. so I came down here and my first sort of inclination to start taking care of myself in a way that was, I was going to, I, somebody in, got me to join the Gold's gym here. I started going to Gold's gym and that led me to meet a bunch of new people. I worked, I met new people. And then, um, around 97 96 i was in a relationship and um with a really beautiful friend uh who's still in my studio now we went to Mysore together the first time karen goodman and she just came from san francisco her father and mother were you know like had lived in san francisco for a long time and she had a reverence for education and i By the time I was like 26, 27, I had not gone to college. I just worked. And so I felt really bored. And I woke up one day and I was like, I'm gonna go to college. And it was the funniest thing. Everyone we knew had gone to like Harvard or Lewis and Clark, which is kind of like a big school here, but not Harvard or Stanford or whatever. And so I went to Portland Community College with like a head full of that idea about education, which was really kind of funny. So
3: <laughs> I had good teachers yeah.
2: and uh, I got straight A's. I couldn't believe it. Took really, you know, like a lot of writing and a lot of reading and a lot of analysis of information and some help. And then that led to me being ready i finished that and literally was in mysore the same year so i went to mysore i learned Ashanga yoga in february of 99 and i was in mysore in, on ganesha's birthday 1999 um wow. which was cool and interesting and looking back but i mean two years before that i went to rumi's tomb in turkey i'd never heard of him before you know so it was like Uh, but I had heard of Pythagoras and I did go to the town of Pythagoras and had a real experience there around like Euclidean geometry, just like, I mean, really like, it was just like where my mind was opening up to. I had no idea. And I think Russell, you might understand just really being interested and being fairly cerebral in order to like find place and meaning in the world. And that meant a lot to me to be able to go to college. And then ever since then. I never stopped. I just kept studying. Like the internet was a boon. Like I was able to get so much information off of there. I had confirming external people in my life. Um, I had, um, a lot of issues actually and, um, led to, you know, I've, you know, I can't say that I've ever been in a have uh, been in some very beautiful relationships with, with, um, significant others, and uh they have they've all had issues and <laughs> and I understand, yeah. you know, yeah. like my grandmother, you know, when I'd have I'd be with somebody for a couple of years, three years, and my internal narrative was not helpful about me and those relationships would get, you know, turned upside down. And my grandmother would say every, anytime I met somebody new, she was like, Well, don't take them to India, because I would go to India with somebody and then come back and it would fail, you know, and I don't mind, I don't mind being honest about that. And I really want to have a conversation with people about that. And it, um, but at the same time, uh, like, I just didn't know myself and uh, was thrust into a world of like a massive amount of energy and opportunity and being a Gen Xer, you know, it's like, we don't know what we're doing, but we have tons of kinds of energy to do things. So it's a, strange you know time to be alive and mm. go ahead I, I, I
1: am feeling a, a lot of, of a lot of parallels mm-hmm. uh, with you it's, it's it's exciting um especially like coming out of 10 years of art school which mm. was that's really the same thing as being self-taught yeah. <laughs> except <laughs> for you blow all the money <laughs> it's just you blow a lot you blow a hundred thousand two hundred a hundred thousand dollars right and, I mean, there's another like hundred thousand dollars in in grants, and uh, I was given, you know, because I was poor. But there, the other thing about, you know, needing you know, needing being in relationships and like people having issues and me having issues is like that's really why I'm with Harmony because she's the first person I've met that is as damaged <laughs> as I am, <laughs> and like we really get along mm-hmm. because of that. Like, I needed somebody like who was really. Had issues Mm -hmm. for for us to be able to understand each other. Yeah, and like it really works really well.
2: Yes. Well, and
1: maybe like also working on their issues. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah, we're trying. Like we're not. We're not. Yeah, we're trying here.
2: Well, I think my like there's always a lot of love is there, and. um, we don't always understand like our energetic trajectory and like, you know, the backstory on a whole person is just like not enough for a podcast. I mean, really like, you know, and I think part of it is having a intimacy and a conversation about, um, real things, you know, what's under the surface, what's, uh, you know, what's coming up in your meditation, like what is, what's coming up in your nervous system, And then also using like the the day I realized that when in the yoga sutra, I'm just going to loosely say this, that, you know, all actions are taken because of, because we suffer. It brings Mm -hmm. into view really just like, do I really need to be doing this anymore? Because am I just bringing my suffering forward? And this Mm -hmm. is a drop down menu on something really personal to everybody who's sitting and listening to this right now. It's like, what is it? You know, like what is the, thing that I am discontented over or whatever, you know,
3: Um,
2: or, and being able to kind of see that, that can be dispelled by just feeling it out. I think, I mean, I'm not going to go into all of that. I mean, it's, there's a process involved, but um, we don't have to do that if we can learn how to not trigger each other so much. (laughs) So, you know, and being triggered, that's harder. Because we have to create a calm space in ourselves with which to handle things that used to bother us. And I think we also come with very deep senses of justice and injustice. Um, So that's part of what, I mean, to go back to what you're saying the punk rock, you know, like I'm kind of more into metal and um, uh, classic country rock. And and that kind of stuff. But I get the punk thing. Like, I'm totally, you know, well, yeah, I like the New York mean, Dolls, like, big fans. Mean,
1: well, like Jennings. And,
2: yes. But it's the attitude. <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: yeah. That's, yeah, it's, it's actually out, more of the outlaw country. Yeah. It's the yeah.
2: outlaw, right? And, and the idea that, like, let's, when I first came into this, what I didn't want to do was, like, just assume I would, I didn't want to take every authority down off of, the shelf and remove their mantle and put my, put it on my own head. I just think that that was, I thought no people, you know, they, if they put the effort in, you know, that just comes naturally to them. And then I didn't want to compete with anybody about it. So that was, that was the part that I think we, as a Westerners kind of bring in as the, the economy around yoga has actually been like the hardest part about it. Like it probably wouldn't have done anything without the economy around it. So it's great that we all have made our livings helping other people teach yoga, but it was just an all consuming like thing to drag forward the whole time. Like it's not that easy to keep a space, you know, it's not a lucrative thing. You know, I used to say, Oh, I, didn't want to pay $150 a month to have, go to a yoga studio. And now I pay $1,500 a month and
3: (laughs) didn't really need to do this, you know, like, you know, and so
2: when people are like, I want to be a yoga teacher, I'm just like, "Eh," you know, like maybe, you know, maybe you just want to be good at yoga for yourself. And so I try to help people understand what it is first, you know, early Mm -hmm. on in the process, um,
1: yeah, like like any Gen Xer, <laughs> you you don't want to buy anything sold or produced, or sell anything produced or bought, or produce anything bought or sold.
2: <laughs> I have my priorities. I mean, it's like you know, <laughs> so. Um,
1: yeah, that's why I got into kickboxing. Yeah. Well, no, I mean doing other things <laughs> with
2: yoga is with the with the insight gained from, you know that um things mutate over time like i taught myself how to play piano and guitar and like um i can i learned how to build a house a few years ago because I buddy of mine took me on and during pandemic i was able to like build and remodel and keep myself afloat on the side uh because i my nature was to one thing was to turn around and i don't know if anybody does this but like reclaim an aspect of self that seemed like it hadn't been given enough effort which was kind of the ability to like so it's easy to go into yoga and kind of disappear into that lifestyle and you know and if there was nothing to go back to i get it but like um i had i was a child and everyone else was an adult and they were all doing adult things and i just stood there and watched or held tools or whatever. I grew up in a rural experience, you know, was a kind of a servant to everybody. And in my forties, I got the opportunity to see clearly like how all of this operated, had a great friend that like took me under his wing and taught me how to do all this stuff. And I acquired the tools and like, and now i have a capable skill. And this is a direct result of studying yoga sutra in my forties, or I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known that. I mean, it's really about samskara, Like, samskara, like that word is, I wish more people used it neutrally, you know, so that we could talk about it in a sense of like, what do you want to do? You know, what would satisfy you? How would you, you know, how would you, um, uh, how would you alleviate a binivetia in your life? You know, like, and, and cause I think a lot of us, well, I don't know if this is true, but for me, it seemed like you would just jump over the part in yoga that would lead to any attachment. Um, but for me, I was kind of dissatisfied with a couple of things. And I was like, no, I really want to be able to like play chords and riffs, you know? So, or I want to play (laughs) music. I want to, I mean, like I really want to be able to do that. Like I get this body. And so I started equating it to the yoga experience and saying, um, why do I, what do I, what, 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 what the, Once the sequence has done what it's supposed to do and we become stable, like I hit at about 10 years into Ashtanga Yoga, unless I was on a summer doing third series or something, like I can't sweat anymore. You know, I just can't. I don't have the, if I had to do that, if I had to get a sweat out of my body, like I'd be wrecked, you know? So it's like just I've transmuted all of that. I don't have that in me anymore. So to do the practice the same way, like I don't do it like that anymore. I want to, I like going really slowly. I always have. Um, I like the charging thing if somebody else is like leading, I like that if they're really good at it, but I don't, you know, the, so I want to make sure I'm not getting too far off of topic, which is, I can do that.
1: No, no, no. It's cool. It, it reminds me that it's, this, it's kind of the same for me. I, I sweat more vacuuming the house than I do practicing yoga. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the last time that I went to Mysore it, like uh Shrot was making fun of me because I was I was sweating more than I had in like mm-hmm. like 4 years <laughs> and he like handed Harmony a, like a a mm-hmm. towel it's like this is this is for Russell he needs a towel <laughs> and, um, i had a i had a question for you to, to kind of um to think about where we are now and where we're going and and to kind of tie things together a little bit uh we had Spiros on mm-hmm. the show. I'm not sure if you know him, but you guys are really similar. I think um, this kind of again cerebral. Um, probably have taken an enormous amount of LSD and um, <laughs> is that micro? <laughs> so micro microdose <laughs> microdose an enormous micro so, amount but... enormous mu- amount of micro doses. Um, Spiros <laughs> talked to us about living in a um, in a post guru world and mm-hmm. the kind of that's where we kind of are now. And, and we're kind of trying to find where our feet are and we're real establishing the, our, our cultural norms for our little, our little community. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to ask, is that something that you were, you were thinking about when you were on the easy board, were you think what were you thinking about Guruji's then? Did you, did you have a, a critical view of him then? That's changed to where you are now.
2: Um, well, I'll just preface this with saying, like, the only way to really in, continue to include Patabi Joyce in the as a teacher in the Ashtanga Yoga is to tell the entire truth about him. And if people are willing to do that, um, then they can have their whole relationship with him. I think. Um, and then I start from there. I say and firmly believe in like listening to the people who are the primary victims of Patabi Joyce. And and then also, which leads to that everyone was a victim to Patabi Joyce, especially his family, and especially the students that were the closest to him. And uh, that has to kind of stand first so that people understand where they stand. Then there's other, there's another element to that, which is people who maybe have knew what was going on and didn't know what to do about it or wouldn't do anything about it. Um, and why, I think that's a really interesting conversation to have because there's a truth in that. And it gets into like, why I don't trade on Potabi Joyce's name per se, like that I was somebody and I knew him. Like I have a very, like, yeah. you, I, of course, like everyone else, I have f- fully inflated my relationship with Patavi Joyce to its maximum capacity and truth. And so I do okay. know how I so knew nice. I mean, and like what we knew together. I guess somehow my name means a, it, my name in Canada, I believe means um, like wedding night sex, which is a spec, you know, how specified people can be
1: yeah.
2: in a culture like India oh. and people, old ladies would laugh. You wow. know what I mean? So I was like, I was that guy. I was the.
1: Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. You did, you did you, Casey means that? I believe it has. <laughs> like, so we'll, have, we'll have to
2: do a little more research.
1: Something to do with it took that. me a
2: couple of months <laughs> for me to understand like why everyone nice. would laugh when I said my name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they were too polite wow. to say anything about it. And I actually don't. I thought it was funny. And like, you know, so, <laughs> so he would, oh. he remembered that and we had some engagement, you know, like I had changed a lot in the time that I saw him, which was about five years total, maybe six And he recognized that. And like, and so then the other side of this is, and I'm glad you asked this question because it gets into like how I really knew Patabi Joyce. I made a conscious decision at the time to understand that I didn't really know him. And it goes back to being prepared in 2004 to be present with him as somebody I wanted to. So he was the Patabi Joyce that was presented to me, to me. And when I got to Mysore, I was 30 and the, what was going on was, had been going on for a little while. I think there was also a bit of injuries happening and nobody really talks about that. Yeah. Um, he hurt a lot of people yeah. and um, he was also post his career, like he was in retirement teaching. You know, he was like 86 when I met him or 88 or something. And so maybe 86. And so and he had a yeah. cohort and he was just, people are different when they're in their forties and fifties and his wife had died and yeah. there was a lot of changes that happened. And this is not to apologize for him because I don't have the power to do that. But what Absolutely. I'm getting at is that those voices that need to be heard from back then, you can have reconciliation. I think the victims deserve somebody to say, like, I knew what was going on. I was a young person. There was a big power dynamic going on. I was influenced by it as well. All of my, all yeah. of my, credibility and financial ability and like all my desires and loves and hopes are like on at the feet of this man and then suddenly he represents um crime and theft (laughs) actually which is the real crime is that he took from the people that he abused the right to find their own path without that trauma so that's a thing and the other is is that to, to go to the other side of that is that i wanted to know patabi joyce my young 30 something self in those years really projected onto this image of the scholar and what i decided then and this is how i got into sutra i said i am never going to know but one time i saw him because i was staying on the top of a two-story like nice place like but you could see the top floor of his house from where and i think this might be the same condo so we we all stayed in with an elevator it's like kind of right around by the coconut stand it's like Anyway, you could see Patabi Joyce on his roof, you know, hanging out, you know, yep. reading the newspaper. <laughs> and I was, and then one time I saw him putting his shoes on after conference in Encinitas, after he had just slayed us. It was like amazing. Like he had us all laughing and philosophical and it was beautiful. And then he just left with us all, put his shoes on. And I was like, oh, okay. Like he's just a regular dude heading off to get, you know, whatever he's going to do. It's well, yes. And that was, <laughs> and so what I'm getting, what ended up happening one was that I said, I'm never really going to get to know this guy. But the thing that he cares the most about is the Yoga Sutra and the Bhagavad Gita. And so I just dumped myself into those books so that when I did ever meet him again, I'd be able to honor what I'd projected onto him was that I wanted a teacher and I wanted somebody with some strength. So I'm, I'm willing to own my projection about him. And I'm also willing to be really compassionate with people who had a great love for him that didn't know what was going on. And also some compassion for um, people who knew what was going on and were afraid because everybody hides when they get afraid, you know, that's when, so to be able to open that up, I think would be because it, it gets into like, I think before this was, this was coming on before what we would call Me Too movement and yeah. I remember hearing a podcast about it from people who weren't really in those circles and were spending more time sort of, you know, shooting those fish out of that barrel, basically, as yeah. a career move <laughs> and not really having a conversation right. about it and not being part of the mm-hmm. community. But to go back to what I started with, if we can own Patabi Joyce as that abuser that like harmed people. Then the other parts might have a place to stand because you can't ask people to just annihilate their relationship with their families. So I hope that that's some understanding. Also, like I just he's I don't he's not hanging in the studio, um, and I'm willing to talk to my relationship with my I'm willing to talk to people about my relationship with him. So to go to the the question is: Is the guru is right now is like we have been given the tools, and maybe Patabi Joyce was just like you know this fallible person who got it across the finish line so that the ancient kind of is still with us as this modern like unfolds like we're all seeing you know the modern world but we were lucky because we were tenacious in the 90s and the 2000s in order enough to get involved with it stick with it and share it with other people and maybe it'll last you know because i don't know any like even yoga sutra like it's not as common as you think even amongst mm. the Ashtanga crowd. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. especially, the, it's like everybody remembers how to do a Surya Namaskar A, but nobody knows the last position of, a, or very few people know the last position of, a, What I don't know how far it goes anymore, but advanced B, you know, that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> so it's just, so, but more
2: people could learn the end of the Yoga Sutra and kind of understand what it is and why it lasted, why it's one of those. It's, it's, it's Om Karasana. Mm, is it? <laughs> oh, girl, sorry. Yeah,
1: sorry. It just came to me. Is it? <laughs> I
2: can. I'm not even sure I have the lexicon to put those words together. To understand what it is, but
3: um,
0: I don't need
2: to know either. You know, it's like. Yeah. Um, so I do think that the age of the guru is done until like the students get ready to be able to fully question a guru about whether they really know what they're talking about or not. And that's what I want to do is I want people to really be able to test their experience. By having something to test it against, and I think I got that from Ashtanga Yoga. I'm sure I did because you can. It's very trustworthy in its um, in what it is. You know what you're going to get, and it does work for what it is.
0: Yeah, I love that you bring up the you know projection of the that the students make onto the teacher because I think that really is um, I. I mean, for me, the idea of a guru, that's really what that whole uh, concept is, in a sense, because we know no human being is perfect or infallible, and so any human being embodied in human form or any spirit embodied in human yeah. form um, is going to be have mistakes, and they're going to, um, you know, fuck things up from time to time
2: yeah and 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 actually you could it's a bummer to kill something at it's ninety when it's at ninety percent and then suddenly it just gets all destroyed. so I'm glad that didn't happen you know with uh with this particular situation. I think that's also the power of yoga is really what's going on yeah. here and ultimately, it's yeah. the power of us as like if you really read it and believe it like this isn't this life is not necessarily a one off so and that the afterlife is, seems technically a probability.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so
0: That's
3: a scary proposition.
0: Everyone's contemplating death now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but then can that gate be passed without a major, you know, damage to the person who went through it? And I've, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I grew up Catholic and I understand like the, we need to also look at um, people just did things for a certain way a long time ago and forgot why. And then um, that led them to just be real dysfunctional.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then dependent, and then someone comes along and abuses that dependency Yeah, or I- takes advantage of the vulnerability and yeah. And
0: There's something like in us as human beings, I think that we tend to um, put people up on pedestals. Mm-hmm. We tend to look for a savior, or mm-hmm. look for a superhero, an Ubermesh, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Wonder Woman, someone who's going to come and save us from our suffering, save us from ourselves,
1: save us from, cr- you know, a, a- a situation that seems complicated. So mm-hmm. who sure. can who can fix this for us? Well, Captain America can fix it for mm-hmm. us. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's it's like a real natural instinct, I think, in in who we are as as human beings. Um, which I mean is a whole deeper conversation <laughs> in and of itself. But I think once you know that, once you understand that that this is is mm-hmm. part of how we mm-hmm. function, um, you can realize you can catch yourself when you're kind of doing that projection mm-hmm. and start to explore um and question mm-hmm. and like try to see clearly and i feel like the practice is really about that trying to see clearly reality as it is yeah and not as we're just projecting onto things all the time right
2: oh mm. totally like well certain things are appropriate you know we've project the appropriate language onto objects until we're in France and then we can't get anything.
3: Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. So that
2: projection (laughs) fails us. But then in the, in this experience, you know, if you, you know, if you just go right to the last of the yoga sutra, we will, we don't need anything to define ourselves by basically. but, But we have the ability to give meaning, you know, to, inertness on a certain level and it it kind of deserves it because this is amazing and we overlook our own just being alive like just you know being alive Mm -hmm. since conception i mean that's a very i'm not talking about that as a political state i'm just talking about that as like for all of us who are alive like we've and there was so much before that i mean i have like i think our own personal narratives are really important uh so that we can put them on the shelf if we don't know what they are a lot of times they're just still talking under the surface and that's a lot of this is becoming subtle enough in the self to see that our pain and it might be doing the talking but it isn't and reinforce and that karma of saying it over and over and over I'm in pain I'm in pain I'm in pain and it's because of this it's because of that it's because of this like seeing through that and being like no none of that's actually happening like only this that we have now is happening
3: yeah.
2: and that's grounds for perspective shift and i think also getting back to the guru question and just saying like if you understand like what your where your weight lies or where your light is able to describe and you're right sized about that then you can be that for people and they and they may not project anything onto you other than that and i've kind of found that here i don't think i get a lot of projections onto me i think people are pretty know i'm pretty straightforward and you know, just hold like a consistent space for a really long time. And they, they know what they're going to get, you know, when they come around. And um, I'm really grateful for that. I feel seen, you know, I'm, I have such, I have a really good community uh, support here. I'm really, you know, and I've had really great teachers. I think everyone should look up Kathy Cooper. Like she's just an unsung person. Oh yeah. I know Kathy. uh, In the history of, yeah. She's just like, (laughs) Yes, she's just, and if you've been around Marin, she's just been like serving this yoga for as long as anybody who's been doing it. And I just adore her for her gift to me. Like she helped me so immensely just kind of be me. And she, you know, so I think having a teacher around that will see you clearly, and that may be just one other person. I think everyone should have a mentor in their life around this. I've thought about having. I like mentor relationships for people so so then it changes and then when the guru comes around you can see them you know because they you know what to look for and that's the only that's my main drive is to be like is there a standard that you can test what you're doing by i have got to go back to ashtanga yoga have to go back to the sutras have to go back to the bhagavad-gita and other classic texts including you know all the Judeo Christian Buddhist Islam test text and native Wiccan, etc. anything that has the wisdom in it, you know, and anybody that's willing mm-hmm. to support it. So,
0: yeah, I i think you bring up such a, a beautiful um, distinction there between uh, like a mentor relationship or a coaching relationship versus a teaching relationship and a you know um instructor absurd, yeah. relationship and the the difference yes. you know being a you know and for you as a teacher i mean you're holding this space even the way you you talk about it the way you refer to um you know the students as you know part of your cohort mm-hmm. and your collective mm-hmm. and um, you know you're very natural at deflecting those projections. And so I don't think it's always just students not projecting. Mm -hmm. There's certain people who don't really want to take on that superior role. It's Mm -hmm. not, it doesn't serve them. You know, they don't want their ego or whatever, you know, that, that whole pedantic Mm -hmm. kind of hierarchy isn't in their (laughs) um, vibe, I guess, you know? And so they're much better at just reflecting back to the students their own image, their own thing so that students can see themselves clearly. And that's much more of like what you say, a mentor relationship or a coaching relationship rather than Mm -hmm. someone who's sort of taking all that energy and then like making themselves bigger by it.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, all my peers out there who have been holding it down for this amount of time, like they can relate with what you really have to learn to like hold in a room. And, and, you know, the, the ones, like the ones that were really not busy, like those guys and women, you know, like if you have 60 people and you're just like rocking it somewhere, like that's awesome. But if you have like six like yeah. on a regular basis. The relationships are much more oh, yeah, so Yeah, when you've got six yeah. people
0: for 10 yes. years. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Which is the state of a lot of mysore room. Yeah.
2: I mean, I have a student who just started. She can be a student because she's like 20 and I don't mind being a teacher to her. That's a really appropriate relationship. Her mom practiced with me 17 years and she just started, you know, like wow. last week. and But has this great foundation because she has seen her mom do all the moves and she's suddenly just like, oh, I know how to do that. I've been watching this for years, you know? So like, you never know how it's gonna come through for people like what teaching is and like Mm -hmm. just something as simple as like going in and going into Upward Dog, like I a lot of some, like one out of a hundred people will like kind of like not roll over their feet. I'm one of those people. I just kind of like switch them places. Yeah, <laughs> And then I started seeing somebody doing that in my class. And I was like, oh my God, like yeah. everything that I do is going to be, you know, scrutinized and become called normal. So I have a real responsibility. Become orthodox. Yeah. I have a real responsibility. Cause I go back to the thing about saying like, well, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not, no one's giving me any qualification for this, except for the person who's coming to me to learn it. So I owe them the, finished product, which is if they ever show up and get tested by somebody who can really call them out, they're also calling me out. And I didn't feel like that was fair for them, you know, so to go back to that. And it's like, that doesn't mean they have to be aggro. They're probably going to be slow when they go to a class from me, because they're not trying that hard to get it all. They're trying to be in it. So, and, and so you never know what people are going to see. That's,
1: that's really beautiful. I was thinking about this, uh, that same thing, um, I was, uh, I was kidding with my, with our kid, uh, the other mm. day I was, I was pretending to be hard on him and he, he knows when I'm, when I'm doing that. Well. um, I, I gave him his, uh, his dumplings and I said, you have to use chopsticks. Man. This is the rule. And he was like, yeah, okay. And like, but then like I was watching him and th- I'd never seen him use chopsticks. Mm. He would always just use mm-hmm. his hands. And I said, no, you have to use the chopsticks. And uh, he just picked them up and used them and just put the, put the <laughs> dumplings in his mouth and stared at me the whole right. time. And I was like, how Wait, how can you – I've never seen awesome. you use chopsticks. How can you do that? He said, you think I haven't been watching right. you guys eat chopsticks the, for the last five years? Like all you do is eat with right. chopsticks. Like I know how this to do parampara. it. This is parampara. Yeah. And I was like, wow, there it is. Yeah. He knows just by being – around it right
2: and so on some level yeah. you have been his guru and on that level and now he's moved on yeah. Uh, yeah, he now does. Do that. <laughs> well that's also a part of you know, getting people to a place where like I, I think it was one of the Nata yogi's not not um he was a the, uh, what's his name not Tagore but he had a friend his his main spiritual teacher and this was in the oh, 1800s one of those Bengali guys and he, mm-hmm. yeah and I wish I could remember his name but at the um, he that once everyone is initiated they're all equals you know so just like kind of treating everybody like the like the because the body is not going to be able to be it's not going to last long enough to be considered you so it's just like it isn't lasting right now so when you when i see people like i admire what people have done with their bodies and i got to do a lot of that stuff you know like you know i was i liked third series i learned a lot about gravity basically (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, and breath. I actually learned about breath, and and that yeah. cha- that changed my pranayama practice, and it changed my cosmology actually around, you know, like how I relate with, you know, like I follow the moon, like really, you know, like I know where it is relative to the sun every day, and spend a lot of time teaching that. And I want it. And when I read Yoga Sutra, it's all about knowing our own location. You're just here, mm. you know. And then all the projections and stuff about and. But there is an education process that people have to go through to get that. So if if they can go through that initiation, then the body part seems to make less of a difference, you know. Um, and it we all know this about like the detriment of the acquisitive ashtangi, like just how yeah. how that is that's beautiful because a drag it to mysore, you know, all the way across the world with your last five bucks. But then the when you get there, it's just it can, if it, if, if you can't know when to stop, like, I don't sweat anymore. So I don't try, you know, um, if I know I, and so some of the tools that we've been given, like we have to know when to put them down and we also have to know when they're right for other people. And that's been an issue for me about like, I don't want to take anyone's intensity away. You know, if they have a level of tapas that they want to apply, like I just try to get them to balance it (laughs) with the other two, you know, with, you know, have a triguna, Experience here, you
1: know, if you <laughs> a try guru yes. experience. Yes, well <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's it's so what you've said is is so beautifully articulate and Thanks. and I'm and I art- articulated and I and I I, uh, I really appreciate the perspective that you that you've brought to us and in, in our in our post guru world. Um, one thing that I'm I'm I want to kind of close sure. with, and I'm really interested in with with your shala. Is I know that there are a lot of uh, a lot of teachers out there and some major teachers who are um, leery about adjustments and leery about doing it. I can't imagine not teaching that way. Like going into a room, not talking and just using my hands is really the only way that I want to do it. Unless we're going to talk about the Yoga Sutras, and then it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wanted to ask, like, where do you feel you stand now? How has your room changed? I know you've mentioned the lion-hearted Mysore tradition. What do you do in the morning when you're in there?
2: What do I do? Well, I, I lead pranayama five mornings a week. Mm-hmm. So I did. Mm-hmm. I I started pranayama in 2004. I wanted to just give a shout out to Kaivalya Dhamme. I love those guys. Hey, and, uh, yeah, me too. I have a whole library right here, and never—I've yet <laughs> to be there. But um, that—they're—they're. They're, I originally got the Hatha Yoga Pradipika of, that mm-hmm. they translated, and it was like this is not the same one that I've read. <laughs> so um, it's way deeper. Yeah, um, I have.
0: They have superior um, translations of all yeah. of the like mm-hmm. texts. yoga yeah. texts
2: and things you just wouldn't yeah. hear about. Yeah. yeah. That so um, so I start with pranayama and then I will over COVID well this is a whole thing and I know you guys want to wrap yeah. this up but like have you ever been a little burned out from teaching?
3: Oh yeah, you've been burned out like
2: seven times in a row, like like they do with the Vibhuti in India. Yeah, pretty much. And then you transform, right? And you find some other great reason to do it. So COVID came along at a time where, like, I was hosed, like because Mm. it's it's all the different. I'm doing it very independently. I don't have a you know. I commend you for having a beautiful artwork of your uh, website. It's a beautiful website. My website. Is basically like a pirate ship that's about ready to sink, but it's, you can't tell by looking at it. But if you look behind it, you're like, "Oh, this thing's not good." So, so there's just so much input, you know, into doing yoga. So, yeah. to, I made a, I had a rule in the beginning. I said my own practice comes first, and so I always tend to it. Um, I said mm-hmm. I would teach other people. I said I wanted to do it with people. I said I'd teach them if I had to, and if if I could make a living at it, I would do that. And then if any of those things outweighed the other, then I wasn't, I didn't have the right priorities. And so now I am i put a lot of effort into my practice for sure. So I do pranayama and then I have a practice every morning, which is basically um, very private. I'm just kidding. But like uh, there's a, I had an injury in 2007 that like, I basically have had chronic pain ever since. And so I don't have, Mm -hmm. I have like a uh, um, uh, pinched nerve in my, sacrum or not in my sacrum and my left lumbar. And that's a whole other story. But so Mm -hmm. I do a lot of meditation. I do a lot of pranayama and I have, um, I do a, every year I do a thing called 28 days of kirtan. I've done five of them. So it's a, it's a session every day. That's either song related, chanting related, or a philosophical text that we read together. And that's five Mm -hmm. of those. And that was a really deep thing. And everybody, mm-hmm. you know, people will really show up for that. So that's part of my practice. Is I still read and study, and then mm-hmm. um, people come. And now I started opening it up to adjustments again. Just to go back to Russell's original question about like how I can mm-hmm. be in the room. Like I was kind of ready to stop. You know, I I think the adjustments cool, but I really try to explain to everybody this isn't a, this isn't a change. This is a support. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not here to like mm-hmm. drive you out of your center into like this is what it needs to be, and that comes also from just sort of like the carnival style practices that can come out of Ashtanga yoga. You know, I don't want to drag anybody Mm -hmm. into Karanavasana because of what happened to me with some of that stuff. So, um, and I was there for it. So I chose to be where I got hurt, but um, so I kind of own that now and have for a while, but that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And I just, that's my main, probably power is to just, I just keep showing up and, uh, it keeps happening. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Just use, use your hands and, but they're, they're, support.
2: Well, no, there's a heel. I mean, I think there's something in the way you touch people that is sometimes just being yeah. just having any kind of sensation while you're practicing puts you in the zone, you know, whatever that is. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. I mean I wish we had a lot more time you guys are really interesting to talk to I really appreciate that you'd have me here and uh um I appreciate anybody that took the time to listen to the podcast so
0: we'll have to do a part 2 on the energetics of uh healing through yoga <laughs> I'd love to talk more about
2: any of these things so yeah and- yeah
0: we could yeah. we could keep unpeeling mm-hmm. the onion yeah and yeah. <laughs> going deeper and deeper there's so many really... things we could really dig into here yeah.
2: well if anybody who listens to this that's... rolls through portland just please come by and tell me you listen to the podcast and be my guest so i'd like to just share this with people and
0: beautiful well i'm hoping to roll into portland one okay.
1: day. Where, <laughs> where where could people find you uh,
2: near east that's all one word near east yoga yeah yeah
1: yeah. Uh, can they just see you on the, can they just drive by and see you on the street? Just-
2: Portland, Oregon, right here in Port, good old Portland, Oregon, which is, it isn't what it looks like on the news. Um, it's uh, it's worse. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Like it's, it's beautiful and it's having a hard time at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So
1: any any members of slater kinney in your class uh, no I heard you asked me about Black that I did, does she
2: do ashtanga yoga i would probably like i have uh, no
1: idea of carrie if carrie brownstein or fred Armisen yeah. is in, in your class well no they just sort of like yeah, they platform. just
2: smacked portland around for a few years and then left is how i sort of feel about that so and it definitely changed the culture here
1: <laughs> oh that's a shame <laughs> that's brutal <laughs>
0: and i just i mean i think it's such an incredible feat that you've been running your school and your space for almost 20 years now and it's that's a real mm-hmm. it's a huge feat and being someone who's you know ran a yoga stu- school and you know done the whole the whole mm-hmm. thing it's it takes so much mm-hmm. energy and uh just holding that space every morning and showing up and being present and doing all the stuff that people don't see Mm -hmm. that goes along with keeping a business open. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's a massive labor of love. And so I just, I just want to point out how amazing and incredible that is. It's really a big thing that you've done and are continuing to do.
2: Well, thank you for seeing that and that nice appraisal, you know, I really appreciate it to, I think I'm just getting started.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah, I hope so because we want to yeah. come visit. Well, <laughs> the door's open
2: and please let me know in advance because I'd like to prepare for yeah. your, for your yeah. arrival. We
3: want not just show up. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks
2: for collecting all these histories. I do think it's very special and important. And you have a nice library going. And, and uh, I yeah. appreciate your approach. So thanks for letting awesome. me have a little bit of this platform.
3: Oh,
0: it's such an honor to have you, Casey. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks, you
2: guys. Be in touch.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony with me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.